Time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Morning, Keith. Morning. So let's start with Selena Robinson yes. out of cabinet now. And let's have a listen to David Eby, of course, after her controversial remarks about Israel and Palestine. I think, you know, plan A was to try and weather the storm here, but it wasn't possible. Here's Eby announcing that she's out of cabinet. This is yesterday. The depth of the work that Minister Robinson needs to do in order to address the harms that she's caused is significant. And it is incompatible with her continuing as Minister of Advanced Education, given the volume and the depth of the work that she needs to do. Okay. I think it's pretty clear that the original plan was to gut this yes. out, weather the storm, yeah, right? Yeah, and that was Evie's first comments, you recall. Yeah. Um, so, and again, I was talking and texting MLAs all weekend, about a half dozen. Um, and it was interesting to see the initial... Um, reaction was, yeah, to weather the storm, yeah. not give in to yeah. um, what they considered to be sort of um, opponents that weren't part of the opposition. Then, yeah, because as you pointed out yesterday, BC United were, were not calling for her resignation. Well, you had Mary Pollack, former BC Liberal yeah. Minister, actually tweeting support for her, yeah. along with a member of the party executive. So. Right. Yeah, so they had gone quiet. So they, I think the NDP thought, well, okay, no political opposition, no op- parliamentary opposition is going after Robinson. Therefore, let's weather the storm. Right. Then the mosques released that letter on Saturday, and that's when I think the caucus mood shifted yeah. when they realized this is much more than just a protest. Yeah. This is this is an entire religious community that said we cannot enter their places of worship in, unless uh, she leaves. And then I, I detected again. A shift by Sunday, it was apparent to me that a number of people who originally thought Robinson should remain in the caucus had shifted to the point where, hmm, this is now much more problematic than it was on Friday. This is a, this is a, the the game has changed with the mosques waiting into this. So I think, and and Robinson herself, understanding, had come to this conclusion herself on Sunday night that this was going to be... But, but then, the, but then, then yesterday re- morning... Then she releases this letter. This is yeah. what confuses everything. This this statement that she was going to take anti-Islamophobia uh, training. That was that, came out yesterday morning. Okay, so that, at that point, morning. it looked like, okay, she's going to try and hang and in. And that seemed to muddle things. Yeah, but then the caucus met yeah. on yesterday morning. And I'm told the caucus... I don't think there was a vote in caucus. I don't know what exactly what happened. My understanding is the caucus came to the same sort of consensus view that this had to happen, and that's why the announcement was at one thirty yesterday afternoon. Yeah, I think that announcement from uh, the Muslim community in some of these mosques made a difference too. I Let's listen it. to Bilal Chima here, who's an, an advocate, a leader in the in the Vancouver Muslim community, on the Selena Robinson remarks here and the initial indication she was going to try and hang on. Have a listen. You can't come and appease us uh, at any given time and not take our concerns seriously and not protect. Uh, our communities uh, from harmful remarks. Yeah, they were not going to go for this sort no, of no, uh, no, Islamophobia the, training. No, that wasn't good enough. And that's, um, uh, again, what events transpired led to the announcement by Premier Ebert 1 3. The other thing, we, the other shoes is still to drop. We don't know who's going to replace her. Right now, Brenda Bailey, who is the jobs minister, is the interim minister for post secondary education. But as Evie noted yesterday, that, that portfolio some, suddenly become a big deal. You've got international students is a big file. Skills training, um, replacing a diminishing workforce. I mean, that ministry's taken on an importance that wasn't there a few years ago, and we don't know who the minister's going to be.
Yeah. Do you think the fact, last point on this, is this an election year? We got an election in the fall. They had to cancel a fundraising yeah, activity think, on the weekend because yeah. you know, they didn't want protesters showing if up. If this was year two of the mandate, maybe maybe, the, maybe this wouldn't have happened. But, yeah, we're, we're heading into an election campaign. It's only a few months away, the yeah. start of it. The vote's in October, but the campaign begins a month before that. And I think the prospect of being dogged by protests yeah. at fundraisers, at events, at new – I mean, he had to cancel a housing announcement yesterday. It wasn't just protest at a, at, a, at a caucus. It was at a, at a housing announcement. So yeah. all these public events and announcements that EB loves to do um, would probably be affected by the fact that it would be an ongoing protest. Okay. That was, this has been an interesting thing to watch unfold here last few days. Okay. Speaking of um, politics here now, let's talk about some of the musical chairs we got going on, about different – politicians switching parties going provincial going federal so let's talk about some of those so you've got ian black who is a former bc liberal mla former labor minister he's not going to run for the federal conservatives yep. the right cities, yep. and then you've got now this is the the interesting one you've been highlighting this for a while mike de the bc united mla quoted in the globe and mail today saying he's been approached by the federal conservatives, and he's thinking of switching to the federal conservatives as well. What's going on there? Yeah, so De has been in the rumor mill for some time. So yeah. he's out in Abbotsford. Ed Fast apparently is going to seek uh, re-election. He's been a veteran MLA out there. But where the musical chairs are. So John Aldag is a liberal MP in Cloverdale-Langley City. He reports are now that he's being approached by the NDP provincially, to run in the new riding of Langley-Abbotsford, which would leave Cloverdale-Langley City uh, vacant from so the this liberals. This is a liberal MP who's thinking of switching the other way, go, go provincial. To the provincial NDP. Wow. So then D- the rumor is that De Jong would run for the conservatives in the riding of Cloverdale-Langley City, which is left by John Aldag. And given the polling that we've seen from across the country and in B.C., Pierre Poliev has got very high numbers. And I think that's, you know, when, when you're... Polling really high, you're going to attract candidates. And so he's attracted Ellis Ross yeah. in Skeena, who's a BC United MLA, former BC Liberal. He's attracted Ian Black, <coughs> former <coughs> uh, cabinet minister and chair of the Vancouver Board of Trade. <coughs> and then you've got um, potentially Mike DeYoung. I'd be surprised if Mike DeYoung runs again provincially. He was elected in 1994, yeah. longest serving MLA in the House. Only Mike Farnworth comes close to him. Um, the prospects of them being in government are not good. It would be running to be in opposition unless something dramatically ch- changes between now and October. Or the prospect of running federally and winning and potentially being a cabinet minister at the federal level has yeah. got to be pretty enticing to a guy like Mike DeYoung, yeah. who's been around the block six or seven times. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. And it's also very instructive or, of things going on at both levels of, of politics here, because federally, here you have this federal liberal MP who's thinking of dumping, jumping ship from Justin Trudeau and running for the BC NDP. So I think that shows that Trudeau's in trouble. And then the other, on the other flip side, you've got these BC United MLAs who are switching to the Conservatives, which shows mm-hmm. BC United here provincially is in trouble. Yeah, and, and another BC United MLA, Dan Ashton in Penticton, is yeah. I think is publicly said he's thinking of running federally for the Conservatives up in uh, the, another one. that area. So, mm. yeah, potentially three United MLAs jumping ship and running for the federal Conservatives, yeah. and a Liberal MP jumping ship and running for the provincial NDP because both of them see their re-election chances are much yeah. better than the status quo for sure. And let's listen to Kevin Falcon here. He's the BC United uh, leader here, trying to whistle past the graveyard here, try to put a positive spin on losing his his own people here. 
to the federal conservatives. Here he is talking about Ellis Ross, uh, his MLA jumping to the federal conservatives and Pierre Polyev. Here's Falcon. It's sad and it's happy at the same time. Sad because I hate losing a great colleague like Ellis, but happy because your message and your fight for LNG and natural resources is going to go to Ottawa where it belongs. Okay, so he said he's sad but happy. I think he's more sad. I think he's more sad. Losing Ellis Ross is a a tough one for BC United. Um, And losing Mike DeYoung would be a tough thing as well. So Where is a, this going to end up? I, I had uh, I had John Rustad on yesterday, the the BC Conservative Party mm-hmm. leader in second place, and I asked him, about, "Can you guys bury the hatchet here and do a merger?" And he told me that a business group had a, had a, approached him with that idea to merge the two parties, BC United, BC Conservatives, and he said they approached the BC United about it, and BC United wasn't interested. No, Kevin Falcon has said he's not interested. Yeah. Uh, Rustad has sort of said, well, maybe. But, again, who's going to park their ego at the door? Yeah. Who's going to blink first? Who's going to say, yeah, you can lead the party? I mean, there's bad blood between Rustad and Falcon. That just doesn't disappear because a yeah. business group wants them to get together and, and you know, sing kumbaya yeah. and stuff. So <laughs> these guys, there's a serious split there. And Rustad, I think, is emboldened by the fact that he has a significant lead in the polls over BC United, the party that kicked him out. So revenge, uh, revenge. I think yeah. there's a lot of revenge at play here. Although he said he's open to the merger, though, well, so he's willing to bury the hatchet. Apparently. Oh, I don't. You actually believe that? <laughs> well, if, if he says he's willing to talk about it, he's willing to talk about. Is he willing to let Kevin Falcon lead him? Oh, I don't know about that. Uh, ask him that. next time you have him on. Ask him <laughs> yeah. whether he'll say fine. Would Kevin, he? Would you he be serve it? Far, yeah. You be right. the leader. I'll quietly fold my tent, even though I'm ahead of you in the polls. I don't think that's going to happen. Let's go right to your phone calls here. Kathy in North Vancouver. Hi, Kathy. Go ahead. Hi, Mike. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. Go ahead. Uh, I sent an email to both uh, Kevin Falcon and John Rustad about, oh, maybe a month or month and a half ago, asking them to merge because, you know, better chance to get rid of the NDP. And Kevin Falcon responded to me, but uh, John never did. What did, Falcon, what did Falcon say to you? I unfortunately don't have a copy of that email anymore, but um, he didn't really talk about any reasons why, you know. But he said no, basically? Yeah, he basically said yeah. no. Okay. Um, just one more quick question. Yeah. Please stop calling them politicians because they're elected public servants, and they work for us, the taxpayers. So, you know, fair enough. All right. Okay, thank you. Thank well, you. I think you got to distinguish between elected people and civil servants. Yes, you know, civil servants are supposed to be non. And I don't. I think a, a politician is an accurate descriptor. Yeah. Actually, but it's interesting in her uh, point about Falcon. So Falcon has publicly said uh, he, he's called the poll the polls in his words BS. Yes, he's called the conservatives a mirage. So he doesn't believe that narrative that suggests the conservatives are any type of formidable force in BC. Because we have seen the BC conservatives start to go up in the polls a bit and then they always seem to crash. Well, yeah. Only one other time was in 2013 with John, John Cummins. John Cummins, yeah. former uh, MP. Yeah, but yeah. usually they never track more than 5% in polls. Yeah. But this has got, you've got, what's different, you've got two MLAs in the House. Yes. Which we haven't had before um, for, well, decades from, from the BC conservatives. You've got, uh, so... The, you know, that's a different dynamic, and it's a sustained... So back in 2013, Cummins wasn't ahead of the Liberals. The Liberals, no. were, you, know, you know, the Liberals were still in the game. Sure. And they ended up winning that election. Yes. Right. This is not right now the same situation. The BC United is in third place, b- barely hanging on, head over water, over fourth place. 
Yes, they're duking it out with for closer, the Green Party. They're closer, far closer to the Greens than they are to the NDP. Yeah, that's the bad. They're in, they're in bad shape. Scott in Maple Ridge. Hi, Scott. Go ahead. Yeah, hi. It, it seems that about every 20 years, a wing of the right ha- becomes incensed with the with the, the mass of the right and forms this break-off party. And we know that it only works in the case of the Liberals when the other party gives up or implodes. I don't see that happening here. John Rustad is just ensuring, absolutely ensuring, he's not, that the NDP will win again. He's not captivating the imaginations of anything more than the people who stood on the corners during COVID waving flags, complaining about every conspiracy cause that ever existed. So I, that, if, you know, if that's what you want, gang, welcome to uh, Trump, British Columbia, because that's what, that's what they are. Okay, thank you for the call. And I put this to Rustad. I said, look, don't, you're just helping EB here, aren't you, mm-hmm. by doing this? I mean, guaranteeing the NDP will get back into power by splitting the vote. And, he, of course, he comes back and says, no, no, I'm, I'm running to be premier myself, and I think I can win. Yeah, but I, don't, I, don't, I don't see how he can say anything else other than yeah. that. But I think he's running to be the opposition leader. Right. I think he's running to replace BC United once yeah. and for all as the alternative to the NDP. The caller makes a good point about these 20-year cycles. So uh, not necessarily 20 years, but, you know, WAC Bennett governed for 20 years, was defeated by the NDP. The Socreds rebuilt that coalition by attracting the Liberals and Conservative MLAs into their caucus and won the 75 election. That was fine until 91, uh, and then they fell apart. Complete, and so there's no more social credit party. Only yeah. I think they elected five or six in 91. And then BC Liberals replaced them. But it took 10 years for that replacement party to gain power in BC. And we may very well be seeing the same timeline take effect here, where it's going to take one or two elections to re, to get that coalition back together. It does seem to happen a lot on the sort of the right wing of the spectrum, too. If you take a yeah. look at federal the federal conservatives when they splintered into the Reform, Reform Party, Party, Canadian Alliance, yeah. next door in Alberta, the Wild Rose Alliance, and they got their they had to get their act together. Yeah. It takes a long it time. It takes a long to put time it back to together. do that, to put those egos yeah. aside, to, yeah. to finally agree someone's got to lead and compromise and come together as a coalition. And right now, there's no coalition. Yeah. There's, no. there's the United and there's Conservatives. George and Nanaimo. Hi, George. Go ahead. Hi, good morning, guys. I, um, I'm really surprised how quickly E.B. caved into the pressure. He doesn't seem to mind alienating other British Columbians, whether it's uh, taxpayers in Surrey forcing to pay for more expensive police or Airbnb owners having their property rights stripped or any number of other examples. It doesn't seem to bother him when everybody gets upset, but he caves in 48 hours to the activist woke crowd. Okay, you think he should have kept Selena Robinson in there? Yeah, I don't think what she said was that bad that she should have been fired for it. It was factually correct, even though it was insensitive. I mean, there's well, I don't know. Was it was it factually was it factually correct when she said that? How did she put it? There's a there were a few hundred thousand people that were displaced. I mean, there were a lot more Palestinians displaced than than that. I mean, I think the numbers are around like seven hundred thousand people were displaced. So I'm not sure it's that accurate, but you know, okay. So he says he. I think EB EB has shown that he's 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 able to read the read the political winds here fairly well, and he just knew this thing was going to. This is yeah, this, so this is too much trouble for him. Caller mentioned woke activists, so this morphed from woke activists to the mosque leaders, yeah. and that's different. I think that was a game changer. Um, NDP stared off, uh, stared down woke activists before. In fact, they, in the leadership race, they stared down a woke activist. 
uh, Ampadurai, who ran against and Julia Potterai. Yeah, uh, so uh, who has now been leading the charge? Leading to, the charge against, against Selena Robbins. So she got a bit of uh, cold revenge here um, because she was part of the takedown Selena movement. 